So good morning, my name's Dylan. I've been in Joshua Generation Church for 24 years. Saved, thank goodness. And this morning I want to tell you this one thing. My God is more than able. My God is more than able to break open your situation. To work in your marriage. To help you with your problems at school. To help you when you think life is not worth living anymore. To help you break open those places that have been very hurt. And allow you to hand them over to him again. My God is able to bring life. And life in abundance. So... Sure, I'm, I'm, can I just pray quick? Thanks all for your prayer, it was beautiful. But Holy Spirit, more than anything else, I want you. Come and permeate this whole place, every area, every person's heart. It's going to be a long preach, I want to cry. <laughs> Woo, I'm glad there's a box of tissues here. Thank goodness. Okay, sorry. Uh, this, I've been preparing this, this preach for, like, I think since Friday, and I, I probably spend more time crying about all the things God's done in my life, because that's what I'm sharing about, what God's done. And it's an incredible, it's not tears of, let me tell you what, they're not tears of uh, anger or hatred or like upset, they're tears of joy, that a God would take a broken thing like this and make it into something that he can use and use in his hands and see people's lives change because of him. Okay, quite a heavy start, but well, let me tell you about my testimony. So, I grew up in a place called Amamzin Toti on the south coast of Durban, Scorley World. Uh, if you've heard of Rough and Tough they're from the Bluff, they were scared of Amamzin Toti people. That's how bad Amamzin Toti used to be. So, I grew up, and uh, I, was, uh, I was one of those people that when I grew up, we used to go and drink on the weekends when we were underage already. And our joy and love in life at that stage was, let's see how many fights we can pick on a Friday and a Saturday night. So I got into a lot of fights. I used to be a little bit of a barb roller in my day. And obviously got introduced into drugs at a very young age. So by 11, I was already drinking alcohol, sneakily. And by 13, I was smoking weed. Uh, I grew up in a beach culture. It was kind of the thing in those days. Uh, Warner Beach was the, my, my beach of choice and grew up with a lot of like really good surfers and, and so pretty much lived on the beach. That was our life. And I was in that position because my mom and dad got divorced at a very young age. My dad was abusive. He used to beat my mom. And I hit him one night when I was 11 years old with a cricket bat because he was drunk and he was pushing my mom around. And they got he left after that. So I used to blame myself that that was the reason my dad left which wasn't a bad thing because our, our lives calmed down a lot after that. But obviously, as much as I say calm down, I started using drugs to cope. I was the only man in the house. I became my mom's confidant because she had no one to talk to. So I'm a, I, well, I was a brother of three sisters. I'll talk about that later. Uh, and my mom, so we grew up like that. And so I got into drugs and I did a lot of crazy stuff. And my, my life was about finding pleasure, honestly. And I did a lot of different stuff. I eventually moved to Cape Town, 
uh, for a, a really godly reason, because I heard there were seven women to one guy. <laughs> I wasn't saved, so I'm using that as a joke. So uh, that was my pursuit, was to like find as many women as I could find. Like, I'm trying to find love. That's what I was doing, basically. And, and I didn't realize that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to find this emptiness that we all find in ourselves before we meet Jesus. And so the two people I want to talk to today are these. The first ones are, you've never met Jesus, and today might be your day. Where this man, you changed a broken thing like this, to turn me into the person standing in front of you, who couldn't even put two words together in front of people before this, to be standing here preaching to you the word of God. In that same group of people is, I feel like there's some people here that have been questioning, are you saved? It's kind of a question in your mind. And I want you to know today that if it's, that's the question in your mind today, make a choice today to make sure that you are. So as I'm preaching, if God starts to, if you see your heart racing, that's God talking to you, okay? And then the second group of people are these people. You've become lukewarm. God isn't everything anymore. Your job is, your car, your house. Something else outside of God has got your heart more than God has this morning. And God wants everything this morning. So obviously I grew up and uh, uh, did a whole bunch of bad stuff. That we would never, like I'd never like to tell you about. You think when you're young and you're doing all this stuff, you think it's your bragging rights. And then you get saved and you realize that you're shameful rights. You almost don't want to talk about it. And then I, so I slept around a lot, and what somebody told me when I got saved, which broke my heart, was every person you sleep with, you have a salt out with. And I was like, yo, if I'd known that before, that I'd shared my soul. And why does my soul feel so empty now? Because I've shared it with too many people. And we don't realize that's what we do. We give our parts of ourselves to someone else because we do that intimate move that God's called for marriage. So obviously did searching, there was a lot of emptiness. I remember, ta- I remember two, I'll just mention two, two occasions when taking drugs. I took so many drugs that one night I was at a, at a rave in Cliff Street Studios in Cape Town. And I remember walking in and I walked to the dance floor and I stood there and I saw these black images dropping from the ceiling and going into people and shooting back out and, going, and people would like physically change their... their, their I was so freaked out. I ran up to my friend who we did drugs together. I was like, we've got to go. And like normally you'd say, come on, we just got you. He's like, okay. Because he obviously saw something on my face. that just. And from that time, I never took ecstasy again. And that was one of the things that, ecstasy was one of those things that would just like open up too much for you. Then the second was this. I, used, I eventually started dealing cocaine. Not because I wanted to make lots of money. It was because I like cocaine. So it was free to use if I dealt it. And um, once I got saved, I had to go to a drug dealer and say, listen, I can't do this anymore. And uh, he normally would get really upset and beat people up. But something in God just made him change. And there was a proper thing that I saw in God, like, wow. Because I'd seen how he was aggressive. He was like, he was a drug dealer. So it's not like the friendliest oak. It's not like the, your mom, Hama, you know. So. And, and those things really freaked me out because 
I'd never seen God move before like that. So you're worried, like, I'm going to go and do this now. I've been using drugs. Okay, sorry. And it was this, this, the most terrifying thing for me because I got there in fear because I'm not, now I'm worried about my life. And he just went, okay, cool. If you've met Jesus, I understand that. And I was like, it's almost like he, he had met Jesus, but I didn't even know that. Because my God is more than able to do anything. So the lady that I met when I was unsaved, the first time me and my wife were looking for somebody to get, ma- to get married, was Andrew and MC. Andrew looked like Jesus. MC looks exactly the same. I, <laughs> I don't know if she ages or something. Just, she's like, in, like this frozen state. <laughs> but so we went to her house, and she was teasing me this morning when I was telling her I was sharing my testimony. And we went to the house to say, oh, we want to get married. And I was kind of like, and Andrew's like, yeah, we'll get, like if, you, if you give your heart to Jesus and come to our church, we'll marry you because we want to get married on the 31st of December, 1999. Because it's New Year's Eve. And so I thought the biker church would do it because I thought they were cool, but they were like, no, we got plans on New Year's Eve. But Andrew and MC said, we'd cancel our plans to marry you guys. But I remember she asked me, so are you, um, do you go to church anymore? I'm not the religious type. (laughs) So my nickname ever since that day from MC is Pushover. (laughs) She teases me all the time. But um, I remember leaving there going, okay, cool. Nolene, we'll, we'll go to church, get married, and then we can bail. And then three weeks into church, this, so I hadn't cried since I was 11. And I remember sitting in the church, pretty much where you're sitting now. I had long hair down to you. I started weeping, and I didn't know what to do. I started freaking out. I was like, uh, so I threw my hair over my, sh- and I was sitting like this, and I was catching the tears in my hands like this. Like nobody would see them hitting the floor. I was worried that people were going to judge. That's how I was. And then, God's, and then Andrew said, okay, cool. If there's anybody here who wants to give their life, and I'm like, okay, God, if you're real, you put my hand up. And my hand went like this. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you think you're walking around naked in a room full of people, blood red face. I was completely freaked out. I was just looking at my hand. It was shaking. I was like, I've got to get this thing down. I can't get it down. And he said, and the worst part was, he, he was, I can never, I'll never forget this. Okay, thank you, I can see your hand. <laughs> thank you, you can put your hand down now, I can see it. I'm like, that eventually took this and sat on my hand. And I was sitting there shaking like, I don't know what's going on, but that was weird. And eventually he said, okay, come to the front. And I, I had this split, I don't know if you ever had one of those brain farts where you think, uh, okay, God, if you're real, take me in the front. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'll, I'll go on my own. <laughs> I don't know how you got my hand up, but I don't know how you're going to get me to the front. And that day I got, I got radically saved. I never used drugs again. I've never sworn again, which is quite amazing. I might have said the Afrikaans word, which I didn't know until Milani told me, you're not allowed to say that word. <laughs> so swear word as well in Afrikaans. And so from that day, my, my, my life radically changed, eh? Because my God is able, more than able, for me and for you. This could have happened to you. This could be you. So obviously we had big marriage problems in the beginning. We got married, thought everything. So Andrew always used to use this line, I love. Love is blind, 
marriage is an eye-opener. <laughs> when, you, when you're dating, you'll do anything. When you get married, you're like, why? Why? Can you go and get me? Nah, why? Like, I would run over hot coals to go and visit Nolene when I was dating. But when, can you just go make me some coffee? Oh, I don't feel like it. You know, it's kind of like we get lazy and all that stuff. So obviously a whole of my, my selfishness and insecurities rose up while we, when we get married. And I had to deal with that stuff. So we spent the first three months of my marriage at a place called Russell and Jenny's house. <laughs> Pretty much every second day. Shouting at each other, screaming. Russell, do you know what she does? Lists. And, and you'd give this whole list of all the things that Lean had been horrible to me the whole day. And he would just say this, love keeps no record of wrongs. You need a change. But I, I, I composed this whole list. It's a beautiful list, and it, it highlights everything and every step that I had to go through. All my emotional damage, Russ. And that's how God is for you guys and for me. He wants us to change. We want everybody around us to change, but God just wants you to change. So, these are, so what I'm going through now is just some of the things that helped me. So I've been walking this thing out for 24 years. I've actually, I bought this Bible today. This is the first Bible that was given to me. In it is written everything that's ever happened to us. So Dylan was born again on the 11th of the 7th, 1999. Nolene and Dylan got baptized in the Holy Spirit on the 12th of the 9th, 1999. Nolene stopped smoking in September 99. A little bit later in November. <laughs> the reason being, Nolene stopped kissing Dylan. <laughs> we became de- deacons on the 9th of the 11th, 2001, and been serving as deacons ever since. And we started our very first community on the 11th of the 1st, 2002. This is a book that holds the promises of God. And the things that God's set us for you, are you keeping those records? They're very, very important. So some of the things that helped us walk this thing out was obviously going to somebody for marriage, was the one. Making ourselves accountable. If you think you can walk this thing out alone, good luck. You'll be taken. Using a movie hint, but I mean, it's true. The devil is definitely going to take you. He's not messing around. He's going to come kidnap you and rob your mind and rob your spirit and rob everything in you because you're on your own. And he'll lie to you and tell you everything that you believe is true. It's not. That's not life. That's another life that you think is good, but it sucks. So bad. And the second thing that I had to deal with was my opinion. My opinion was very strong. I started learning all about different religions, and, and it wasn't because I wanted to get people saved that were from different religions. I wanted to have good arguments when I came across them. So Jehovah's Witnesses, Egypt, I mean, it got so far, it was down to Egyptology. that I could. Uh, and so basically, that's where Freemasonry and all that stuff comes from. And uh, so I landed up learning that you could have really good arguments, but nobody would ever get saved. And then I started learning the Bible because I thought, okay, well, let's learn the Bible then. Cause, uh, but then I used the Bible as an argument tool, not a thing that brings life or helps people to get discipled into the things of Jesus. 
I started using it as a tool against God rather than a tool for God. And then sometimes I wanted to tell people what I thought that my opinion was. And actually God just said to me, I want your opinions to stay to yourself unless I tell you to open your mouth and speak on my behalf. And so quickly we want to be heard. But actually all we want to do is we're going to hurt people. That's what I'll end up doing. I heard a lot of people along the way since one of the biggest mistakes is being opinionated is probably the biggest mistake you can have in a church. If you've got a word of God, that's a very different thing. If you're prophetic, perfect. But if you just want to have an opinion, keep it to yourself because it will hurt you. Then I got lost along the way a few times. Um, at one of the stages, I remember walking in this church I can remember clearly saying it. I sat down at the back and I was like, well, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't feel anything. Come here every week. Even got arrogant enough to say I've heard everything. Like, what can the, everybody's talking about the same thing. I can read it in my Bible for myself. But because I have this ability in myself, is I've got this dogmatic ability to go, attendance tick. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Because I went out in a bad attitude. Month in and month out, month in and month out, listening hard, hard, but I was in church. Until one Sunday, Holy Spirit came through the Word of God and broke me. But you know where I was? At church. I wasn't sitting in my house trying to work this out on my own. You can have all the bad motives, but if you put yourself in the right places... God will speak eventually. So don't take yourself out of a church, please. Don't put yourself at home. You're going to get offended here. Boo-hoo. It's life. I mean, honestly, I don't want to sound callous, but the truth here is I'm fighting for you guys right now when I say this. Get over your offenses very, very quickly. Because most of the people you get offended with are the people that are praying and hoping for the best for you. But you get offended. Because they didn't say what I wanted to hear. They didn't understand my heart. But those same people are praying for your breakthrough. But you're not hearing that. You're hearing, you shouldn't do this because it's not going to help. But I like doing that. And we're in that place where we always feel like, if I only do what I want to do. And actually, if you're saying you, you got your, gave your heart to God, you're dead. Or you should be. So some of the scriptures I want to just bring into that one is uh, why you should go to church. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. Instead of speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become very, in every, sorry, let me just read it off here. Rather than speaking the truth, we are going to grow in every way, up in every way, to him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together, and every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. We are all part of this body. If one of us is sick, you kill the whole body. If my pinky gets infected and I don't deal with it, 
I won't just be cutting off my pinky. If I eventually, I'll just, if I just leave, it'll kill my whole body. So each person in this room is extremely important to this body. Everybody playing their part is extremely important to this body. For me and for you, play your part. Romans 10, uh, sorry, Hebrews 10, 25. Not neglecting to meet together as is a habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is not just a meeting, eh? But it says meeting together. This is where it happens. You might be in that place where you feel like, oh, God's nowhere. Keep coming, please. Because my God is able. Romans ten seventeen, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So you might say, what has that got to do with going to church? Well, if you're sitting at home, you're reading, you're not hearing. Right now you're hearing from our voice. We hear at church. We hear the word preached. But the most important thing that I've realized with the, pre- with the preaching of the word is as the spirit comes right now in you guys, it cuts. Not me. God uses my words and cuts you with his, own, with his own spirit. I don't need to do it. He's God, not me. But I need to hear it. Somebody needs to be saying it. We can't just be readers of the word. We've got to be hearers of the word too. I think there's another one. Oh, Revelations 12:11. And they have conquered him above the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies, for they love not their lives, not even unto death. So I threw that one in. So for any one of those people that think they're theologians, and you think my word of my testimony is not relevant because I'm not preaching the word of God, well, this is, te- this is the word of their testimonies. They conquered him. How do we overcome the devil? How do you overcome the devil? By listening to testimonies and sharing yours. So MC shared about we need to, we need to be, have a deep love for the word of God, 100%. But we need to also creating testimonies. We need to be discipling people and creating fresh testimonies in our lives in order to break through this thing. Always Look for fresh. If you're talking about stuff that happened, I'm talking about it today. I can give you some nice fresh testimonies you want, but that's not what I'm here for today. But you need to be creating fresh testimonies in your heart. Like who, whose lives are you touching right now? Who are you praying for? Right. Okay. Everybody's still there? Does it sound serious? Because everybody's like, okay, cool, some smiling faces. The other thing that, I, that I've battled with in this thing is loss. So it's probably the hardest thing that I had to work through my whole life in church. So in one year, Nolene lost her mom, I lost my mom, and I lost one of my sisters in one year. And then the f- two years later, I lost another sister. And I remember saying this on the... Because, I mean... When you're going through something, let me give you a quick tip on how to deal with the situation because it's something I've lived through. And, and the one thing that has taught me 
is I used to be quite hard. Especially when I deal with sin. I'm like, oh, you guys, I'm sinning. Stop sinning and just get on with God. And you're like, what's your problem? But when you lose something, and people speak to you when you're in loss, you realize people don't use tact. So if you say, oh, my sister's busy dying of cancer. Oh, my aunt and uncle and sister. And, and then you're listening to their whole life story about the people in their lives that have got brokenness. And you're just thinking, I wish they would just stop talking so I can just, like, I just shared that. I'm like, I don't want to hear about your whole family history. And it's kind of that weird thing. But then you realize people don't know what situation you're in. And we never do. You never know what situation people are in. So be very careful when you're speaking to somebody's life. That you do it in love, softness, gentleness, kindness. The fact that they're letting you speak into their lives is a massive miracle that God only allows. It's a miracle that you're allowed to speak into someone's life. And sometimes they'll actually take that stuff and, and, and use it. But we don't want to give our wisdom in these things that go. Make sure when you are speaking in people's lives that you're like, God, what do you want to say? Because really, I don't really care about my opinion, God, but your opinion makes a massive amount to me. Like, my words bring death, but your, your words bring life. And your opinion means more to me than anything else. Because my God is able to do more. And then, obviously, with loss comes this thing about disappointment. So for a long time, and this might be you, You've been hurt. People have come into your life and, and, and situations have changed and you go, why God? Why me? Lost your job. Not making as much money anymore. Can't afford a Ferrari anymore. You have to drive a Golf. Sorry. Whatever that situation is. And so disappointment creeps in. And when I first heard it, I was like, I should be disappointed. I have the right to be disappointed. I've lost all these things. Like, what do you mean I shouldn't be disappointed? Warning is one thing. Disappointment is a, a nail in your heart. Because what disappointment does is stops you believing. Stops you putting your faith out to trust again. Because you've lost, so you're going, oh God, I prayed for them to be healed and they didn't get healed. So why should I bother praying? Oh God, I've trusted you for that job and I never got it, so why should I even care? And so disappointment started to creep in and stopped you doing the things that God's asked you to do. If that's you this morning, that might be. So I'm going to ask for a response just now. And not right now, but... Um, if that's you, just start preparing yourself because I think God wants to do business in your hearts this morning more than anything else. It's kind of like God's done a huge, like, I'll tell you what, if I tell you how much I've cried doing this preach about, like, I remember these things. And I was like, yes, God. You'll be shocked at what God can do if you let him. So anyway, the disappointment thing. Went to, so Nalene wanted to drag me off to a, um, to a prophetic workshop, and I was like, you know when you're disappointed? Like, nah, I don't want to go. There's nothing there for me. Where before, I was like, I want to go to everything. But now I'm like, oh, no, I'm not interested. 
She's like, come on, man, you'll like it. And she, I don't know, she must have prayed me into that because I mean she went. And um, she's Bob, first thing, lady stands up, says, okay, listen, I'm just feeling straight away. I'm going to start something. There's people here with disappointment. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn straight, that's me. And she started saying the exact things I was just telling you. It's robbing you of this, this, and this, and this, and this. You need to come forward and get that stuff broken. And that was when disappointment left. Let me tell you what, disappointment doesn't sound like I justified it just now. Let me tell you how horrible it is when it's there. Because you realize when it leaves, you realize, cheap is out of like this again. And the devil is so sneaky that he'll let you stand on justification rock. Uh, sh- I deserve to be here. It's all about me again. I should be disappointed. I, d- I lost all these things. Or you can stand on the rock of God where you throw yourself down broken and go, God, use me if you can. I want to be used. Now, do you want to be on this one? Or do you want to be on this one this morning? There's two different rocks here. There's one foot in the world, because that's what this is. This is all justification. Why I should work harder? Why I should spend more or less time at church? Why I don't need to go to community because I'm working all the time? And un- uh, please understand this. I understand work. Okay, I work in the world. And sometimes you're not going to be able to make everything in church. But if it's in your ability to make it, make it. Get on this rock. Throw yourself again on the rock of, of salvation. On the rock of, that just cuts into your heart. The one that healed me from this to that. It's a different world here. This one's all about Jesus. This one's all about me. We need to kill me. We need to resurrect him. My God is more than able. And so what happens is we lose sight of the king when we get disappointed. We don't see him as the all-consuming God that he is, the one who sets us free from everything, so we don't trust him in anything. So how do we get that back? And so this morning, I want to talk to those two people again. So if you've never, ever given your heart to Jesus, and you want to do that this morning, and I'm throwing in this the second cavity that I threw in. If you have any doubts, that if you die today, you might not go to heaven. Just the smallest doubt. I want to fight for you this morning. Because I want you to come with me to heaven. That's where I'm going. I'm going to fight with everything to get rid of this. So I can be more like this. So if that's you, I don't want you to come out now, but when I call the next group out, I want you to come out with them. Okay. Cool? So if your heart's beating in your chest, and I just want to tell you this quickly. God sent his only son to die on all our behalves. That even if you think you're a good person, which I did when I was in the world, I really did. I wasn't killing people. Stealing drugs and some weird stuff and swearing like a sailor. 
But I was a good person. I thought I was going to heaven, honestly. When I, before I was saved, I was like, oh, I'm not doing anything really bad. But the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short. Every single person. Even Melani, I think, got saved when she was born. <laughs> like, it's in, but Jesus, for that reason, because we were born into sin. We were born sinful. So we were born here. And for the whole time, God wanted us to be here. And to bridge that, a father would send his only son to die for me and you. That you may have life and a life in abundance. And all he wants you to do is choose to say, Lord, I repent of my sins. And I want to accept you in my life. That's all it takes. Okay. So I just want to put that out. So the person with their heart beating their chest, I think there is one this morning. And then the other ones are obviously the guys. If you have any doubts, I'll use this thing. So I went to Namibia once, and it's called a, a Dylanism through Russell and Jenny when I preached there. Because I said, if your only claim to being saved is how many years you've been saved, you've been very badly saved. So if I'm saying I've been saved for 24, actually sometimes I've been saved for a week. Because I'm like, oh God, I don't know. I'm just giving my life for you again. Like, I don't know if that sin just messed me up. I'm going to just die again and just give you everything again. We must be continually giving our hearts to God. Okay. So this might be that opportunity for you this morning to give your heart back to God because he wants everything, man. He doesn't want the overflow of what you have. He wants the whole. There's no way you're going to get breakthrough until that happens. And then the second group, am I, how am I doing for time? Oh, I'm good. Can we go about another 10 minutes? Is that cool? Because I want to speak to another group of people completely. So my testimony carried on, on, and on. Obviously, made messes up, got through some of them like that. But the second group of people that I want to respond this morning is these. The lukewarmies. I say it cutely because it sucks. I want you to think like, ah, oh, that's that cute. It's not. That's how the devil lies to you. When it sounds like, oh, sweet, that's how he gets in. You look at something wrong, foothold in your life. He's got a foot in the door. You can't shut the door anymore until you allow him to come in again. So what happened to me? And it's nice to see Francis here because he was instrumental in, in God using him to speak to me. Had a community once, and I, some of you probably heard this because it's been like what God's been doing in my life recently. And uh, he was sharing about coming from Jay Bay and doing s- s- Christian surfers and everything. But something he said in, in, in while he was sharing made me feel like the Holy Spirit had punched me in the stomach. Sorry, I'm burping because I'm not cooking. <laughs> Excuse me. But I'm drinking bowl water here. Normal water just doesn't work for me. It's just horrible. Francois. Sorry, my wife's corrected me. It's Francois, not France. And um, anyway, but he said this word. He said, I just don't want to be mediocre. And I, I don't know if you've ever felt like 
the Holy Spirit just came and went. It felt like I'd been, oh, like it was a punch to the stomach. But it wasn't like a, a, I felt sore. It felt like my air got sucked out of my stomach. And I realized I was empty and exposed. And I was like, I can't stay like this anymore. I can't stay like this. It freaked me out. I was like, and he was carried on talking. I was eventually I was like, Francois, please, can you just stop? And he's like, why? And I said, you guys need to pray for me right now. Like, I need, like, and sometimes I want you to be able to, this is why I'm saying this, because I want you to do that sometimes. Because you feel convicted in the middle of a church service, and you're like, okay, I'll wait at the end until they respond. They'll respond right there. God, do something in my heart now. Because the Holy Spirit is convicting you, it's not me. So you don't need me to let you respond. Just respond in your heart. So that happened. Yes, and I'll tell you what, I remember, so I started getting invited to go with deacons, go to the elders' meetings, and I was like, oh, it is so lovely to go to elders' meetings now. I always wanted to, if important. So I went to the first one, and then Andrew was standing in front of me, and he said, okay, I want, if you say this in this church, now, so it's all elders and a couple of deacons, whatever, anywhere, anytime, any place. And I was like, hell no. I'm building my house. I've got a job. Like, how, like, where? What do you mean, anywhere, anytime, any place? I actually remember saying that, but I stood up because I wanted to be not the only guy sitting, I suppose. <laughs> but I remember in my heart, I was like, "How am I supposed to do this?" And when he said that word, that thing came back to me: anywhere, anytime, any place. And I realized my house came important. Building my career was super important again. I had plans, purposes. I've got to get to this place. I'm going to be secure by this time. I'm going to have all these things in place. Junk. Absolute rubbish. I felt so bad because, I mean, I realized when I used to be frothing for God. And now I'm this jellyfish of a man who's just like, I'll do the things. And, and, and I'm, let me tell you, this is what was happening at the time. Dylan is the best deacon in the whole of Josh Jen. And I was feeling like a complete counterfeit. I wouldn't even go anywhere, anytime, anyplace, if God says go. Like, that's a problem for me now. So I remember I phoned Andrew after that, that, the meeting that we had. Like, obviously, I went through a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, God, what do I do? But I'm giving you my whole life again. I can't. I want to make a difference in this world for the kingdom, not for me. Or who's going to remember me? Who cares? Who's going to remember the king? Everyone. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And people are never going to remember the car you drove, the house you lived in. You know what they're going to remember? Most about you, anyone here, how you treated them. And if you give them the keys to the kingdom, it's the best treatment you give anybody. If you give them discipleship 101, it's the best keys you can give anyone. If you've given your life sold out for God, this is how you do it. You can't hold on to your life. Unless you lose it, God won't use you. So I want some of you to lose your life again today. So that's the second group. So I'm going to... Can we pray quick? So, Lord, your Holy Spirit convicts, Lord God. Your 
your words, Pierce. But Father, we don't do say these things just because we want your, your words to pierce and your Holy Spirit to convict, Lord God. But we want life-changing people here. Souls sold out for the King and the Kingdom, God. So by your Spirit, God, right now, bring your change. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So if that's you, I'm just going to start moving out the way because I think there's going to be quite a lot of you. I hope because I probably one of them again. But if you are that person, if that's you and you want to come out, start coming. So I don't know what group you are or how you get there. If you want to get saved, if you want to give your life back to God, if you don't want to be mediocre and lukewarm, because the Bible is quite clear. If you're lukewarm, and I always remember it like this because it, just, it says spit you out, but I'm in that place where it, I think it says vomit. God can't have you in him. He's just got to go, oh. Okay, keep coming. I know there's more. So just keep coming, guys. I'm going to play a song. So however you want to do So, Lord, why don't you just come right now, each and every person. And, Lord, I want to pray that as this song plays, God, that they would see that you are more than enough. More than enough, God.